0: Romans chapter number 12, in your copy of the Word of God, um, I've got several post-it notes that are going to be my outline. Let's see, let's see, three, four, five, six, so that's what, I figure going through that, that should get us out of here by lunchtime Tuesday, so (laughs) we should... (laughs) We should be all right. I want you to keep your finger or mark in your Bible in Psalm 1, because we're going to refer back to Psalm 1 here in just a few minutes. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about renewing your mind. Like I said, my, my thoughts are not necessarily all together yet, so I apologize as I've, I've put this together in working on this morning's message, getting different verses all lined up. Uh, I I didn't... Devote the time to this. I almost said I didn't have time, but then I keep remembering what Brother Simmons says, and so I have to say the truth is I didn't devote the time to this like I did this morning's, and I hope that I can make it uh, make it through this okay and make some sense. But I want to help us. I want to try to help. I want to try to help you the way the Lord helped me. Uh, through this, and I hope that it'll help you in the process. If you found your place, you can, would you stand? We're gonna read the very familiar verses. You could probably quote them. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. You could quote these verses, I'm sure. And you've heard, man, I don't know how many messages I've heard out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And, um, when you think about Romans 12, 1 and 2, and all the preaching that's been done, there's probably uh nothing or no one or nothing that could be added to it uh unless you just divided it out into the topics and began to deal with each one. And that's kind of what I want to do a little bit uh tonight. Bible says the Bible says in verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, <clears throat> that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the day. Help us as we convey the thought in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. In Romans chapter number 12, of course, the apostle Paul, writing to the church at Rome, has just talked about all of the mercies and the blessings that God has bestowed upon Israel and how that we as the church are benefactors of many of those blessings because we've been grafted in. And now in chapter number 12, He beseeches us by God's mercies, by those mercies, that we would present our bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And I've said it before and you've probably heard it, we can't do anything without a body. Everything we do is with our body. People don't get drunk without a body. People don't drive a car without a body. People don't, uh, people don't have conversations without a body, uh, and so on. So we all have bodies. And God says that He would like for you to take this one life, this one body, this one life that you've been given, and He would like for you to donate all of that, everything to Him. Lock, stock, barrel, no Uh, no kind of reservations, no holding back. But He wants you to give your entire life to Him, your body to Him, that, that He could utilize it and do with it what needs to be done. So there's three things that the Bible talks about in these three verses, these two verses. First of all, it talks about an oblation. As I said, an oblation is the presenting or the offering of something to God. And what He's wanting is your body. He's wanting your life. He's wanting you to give yourself, all of yourself, your body, your soul, your spirit, everything that you are, He's wanting you to give yourself to Him. Use for His disposal, for His purpose, for His use, whatever He would desire. And then not only does He talk about a, an oblation, but He also talks about a transformation. And when He says in verse number, uh, verse number 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Now the word transformed is interesting in the fact that it, it's only found four different times in the scriptures as far as this particular word that is translated transformed. In twice, it references the transfiguration of the Lord in Matthew 17 and Mark chapter number nine. It, it references the transfiguration, how that the Lord was transfigured into an, another being, another body, so to speak. He was changed before the disciples there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was. Uh, the Bible says that he was glowing, and he was white as no fuller could whiten his clothing, and so on. and And he was transformed. He was different. He became a different person. And we don't have anything to do to offer as far as our salvation is concerned. God takes care of all of our salvation, right? We're saved by grace through faith. And and so there's nothing that we can do. There's no works of merit that we can do to merit salvation. But our salvation is based solely on Him. But our sanctification, we are participants in. We do participate in our sanctification. And we do that... And God begins to, as we as we participate in that sanctification, God transforms us. He makes us into a different person. Matter of fact, it all it is also mentioned here. This word transformation or the word for transformation is mentioned here. And then it's also mentioned in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 3. And I love this verse. I don't even know that I fully understand it all, but I love this verse. Because he says, but we all with an open, fa- with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. The word glass there is a mirror. Beholding as in a mirror, uh, the, a glass, the glory of the Lord and, uh, and are changed unto the same image from glory to glory even as the Spirit of the Lord. So we are changed. The word "change" there is the same word as transformed. So we are, we are transformed. We are transfigured. We behold the glory of the Lord. In beholding, if we ever behold the glory of the Lord, it begins to transform us as we yield to the glory of the Lord and as we yield to that image. And so there's a transformation that takes place. And that transformation starts when you're saved by the grace of God. That's when the beginning starts... Then you are continually being transformed into the image of Christ, into, uh, into what God has for you, and that's, that's our sanctification. But then he also not only talks about a, uh, transformation and a, an oblation, but then he says in verse number, uh, uh, verse number, uh, two, he talks about by the renewing of your mind, and that is the word renovation. And the word renovation means a complete change for the better. So God renovates our mind by the renewing of our mind. He renovates it and it's a complete change for the better. We have a better mind. We have a different mind. We think differently about things than we used to think because of the transformation and because of the oblation. Now, as I was thinking about these things this afternoon and and this morning and and earlier this week, I I thought about this. I I thought here in these two verses, We have three things, of course. We have an oblation, a transformation, and a renovation. But we have the purpose of the Christian life. The purpose of the Christian life is, of course, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what we ought to be doing. You ought to be living your life in the Lord Jesus Christ and giving yourself to Him. Then you have the product of the Christian life and that is to ultimately be conformed, uh, to be transformed into the image of His Son. And then you have not only the product, but the process and the process takes place by the renewing of our mind, by the changing of our mind, by the renovating of our mind, changing the way we think. Now, as I was thinking about these things, and, and when we talk about these spiritual disciplines, and look at that, already two down the drain. Uh, so when, when you think about spiritual disciplines, like the renewing of your mind, it is a process. It is not something that just happens. It partly happens overnight. But for the most part, the changing of our mind is a process. It's a process of doing what I know I ought to do. It's a process of allowing the Lord to influence me through several things, through several spiritual disciplines. First of all, one of those spiritual disciplines is, of course, reading and studying the Bible. By reading and studying the Bible, meditating in the Bible. People don't meditate in the Word of God anymore. Nowadays, when you mention about meditation... Uh, most people think about, uh, yoga and transcendental meditation where you're sitting with your legs crossed and your, uh, your forefinger, your uh, index, your middle finger and your, and your thumb touching one another with your eyes closed and you're getting in touch with your inner being or whatever. But really meditation is just thinking about, uh, about the Word of God. Thinking about what you've read and how often do we do that? How often do we think about what we've read and it's like a rumination. It's just like going over and over again, reviewing in your mind... The Word of God. And the Bible tells us to do that day and night. Meditate therein day and night. Think about it in the morning. Let it be something that helps you start your day. And then also in meditating in the Word of God, let it be something that gives you rest in the end of your day. And so as you do that, we that's one of the disciplines as far as the Word of God. We allow the Word of God to do that. Prayer is another discipline. Uh, learning to pray. In, in beginning a life of prayer. There's a difference between a prayer life And a prayer time. I've expressed that before. And trust is expressed in prayer. Our ability to trust God is what motivates us to pray. If we don't trust God, we have a tendency not to pray. We have a tendency if we're trusting ourselves, we have a tendency to handle, handle things ourselves instead of trusting God to work it out. Trust is expressed in prayer. So we pray. And then not only that, uh the life of your prayer life is your desire to fellowship with your Heavenly Father. How badly do you want to fellowship with God? How badly do you want to be in His presence? And so prayer is another one of those things. Church attendance is another thing, another one of those disciplines that we use. Uh, Being faithful to the house of God. We need the house of God. Whether we want to admit it or not, we need to be faithful. I don't know how some people do it. I don't know how people do it just coming for Sunday morning service. I don't know how they do it. I must be the weakest Christian. I must be the weakest Christian in the world because not only do I need to come to church three times a week, but I also need to read my Bible every day. I also need to pray every day because I need to be in it because prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. I know how I am, and I need these disciplines in my life. I need them, I need church attendance. I need the accountability to the saints of God. If they're expecting me to be here, if I did what some Christians did, and just decided not to show up, you all would be very upset with me. Uh you all would be really unkind to me and probably say some very mean things about me but what if i had the same attitude about you if you just sh- didn't show up and didn't give an explanation what about what about that what if i didn't show up what if i did what you did didn't show up and didn't give an explanation and showed up next sunday and said oh i'm sorry i, I was just uh, sick or i was out of town or i was i was uh, i just did i was just tired i just what if what if i did that uh now you expect me to be understanding Right? I mean, I'm just being honest. You expect me to be understanding. Uh, but I think it works both ways. We need that accountability to one another. And we need that we need that discipline. Witnessing is another thing. Being a witness for the Lord. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Uh, so we are going to be witnesses. We're going to testify uh, to the Lord and of the Lord and so on. Uh, We're gonna testify about the things of God. Uh, Those are disciplines that we need. Now, whenever we preach or talk about these spiritual disciplines, there's a tendency uh, for us to be aware more of our failures than of our successes. To be honest with you, I'm not real good at Bible reading. To be honest with you, I'm not real good at praying. To be honest with you, I'm not real good at church attendance. To be honest with you, I'm not real good at witnessing. I'm not real good at those things. And I'm more aware, more deeply aware of my failures than I am my successes because my successes are so few. So the disciple, the apostle here is asking believers to do something that is the greatest thing that they could do. And that is to give their bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Give their bodies, that is their ministry, that is our ministry, our service, that's three down. Uh, That is our service, that is our ministry, I'm halfway done. Uh, So uh, uh, that our ministry, our service is to give our bodies to the Lord, to give our lives to the Lord. That's our service, that is uh, to offer our one life to God, that's what He's asking for us to do. And then, not only that, our motivation are those mercies that He talks about. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. We've heard a lot about God's mercies today. His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are something that we experience every morning. Listen, I said it this morning, you cannot have enough paper to write down all of the times that I have failed God. You, the 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 uh, There's not enough paper, there's not enough trees... To harvest, to make paper that would write down all the times that I have failed the Lord. But you know what? His mercies are new every morning. There's sometimes, there's sometimes that I think to myself that I don't see how in the world God could forgive me and demonstrate mercy on me with the wrong that I have done sometimes. Sometimes I almost think that God can't be right in extending mercy to me. But you know what? His mercies are new every morning. I have new mercies because Jesus Christ died on the cross. I am able to access those mercies. And I'm thankful for those mercies. Then those mercies... Listen... The love of God will motivate people. The reality of it setting in will motivate people more than a whip could ever motivate people. If you ever recognize how much God loves us, so our motivation is to be uh, our motivation is to be constantly aware of the new mercies that we receive every day in our life, and then our method, of course, our method is by doing this is by being transformed, not being conformed to this world but by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when we talk about the renewing of your mind, I'm going to make an application here in a minute. When we talk about the renewing of your mind, we have to understand that there are the influences in our lives that challenge, that cause us to think certain ways, that challenge the way we think about the Word of God that challenge the way we think about church, that challenge the way we think, we think about those disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, church attendance, witnessing, all of those things, we, if we're not careful, there are things that we, there are influences that we come into contact, uh, with which we come into contact, that cause us to challenge, to question in our mind, those spiritual disciplines and those disciplines that are in our lives. What are those influences? Well, the devil is one. The devil has a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And what does he do? He questions the veracity of the Scriptures. Yea, hath God said? Yea, hath God said? Did God really say that? Didn't God say this? Didn't God say that? He's constantly questioning the veracity of the Scriptures. He says things like this. He says, ye shall not surely die, but God knows that you'll be your own God. You are not going to die. He's constantly questioning the Word of God. So you know what he does? When we come into contact with the devil, when we come into the influence of the devil, we automatically will begin to question, you know, really is this worth it? Is reading the Bible really worth it? Is studying the Scriptures really worth it? Is allowing my life to be guided by the Word of God really worth it? I mean, come on now. Let's, let's be real. This English translation that we have was originally given in 1611. That's over 400 years old. How could such an ancient document be relevant to my life today? And that's exactly the way the devil operates. He causes you to question the veracity of the Scriptures. Why? Because it's by the Scriptures that our mind is renewed. It's by the Scriptures that our mind is changed. It's by the meditation on the Word of God and letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing you in all wisdom. It's how, it's how God teaches us through His Word. And if He can cut off the source... The source of our spiritual education, if he can cut off that, then he can, he can cause the Christian to not have their mind changed and he can begin to influence the mind. So the devil, but then not of that, the world. The world is an influence. You realize that through the course of your day, you come into contact with the world every day of your life. We, uh, we sleep on average, I guess you could say, uh, we're supposed to sleep about eight hours a day. That's one-third of your day is spent in sleep, and I guess there's really no influence there. But probably another third of your day comes from the influence of the world. So you only have an opportunity for one-third of your day to be even influenced by God. Two-thirds are either by nothing or by the world. But then you have an opportunity for one-third to be influenced by God. And so the world is an influence with whom whom we come in contact every day that we live. Uh, the world influences us by the way that they speak about the things of God. By the way their attitude towards the things of God. The questions they ask about the things of God. Uh, the fact that the world is enmity with God. The world does not want any authority over it. The world does not want any accountability to it. He does. The world does not want those things. The world wants to live its own life and be its own person. And uh, have no one to whom they have to be accountable. Accountable, so the world then becomes an influence as well. We like that freedom. We can begin, if we're not careful, we can allow the world to influence us and we'll say, you know what? I don't want anybody to have any accountability. I don't want to be accountable to anybody. What I do is my own business. What I do in the privacy of my own home is my business. Boy, how many times have we heard that in society today? How many times have we heard that in the as far as the argument with abortion and there's so much wrong with that statement? But nonetheless the world does not want that accountability. And then we have our own flesh. Boy, there's one thing about my flesh. I do not trust my flesh. My old nature, I do not trust. Why? Because it's easily influenced by the world and the devil. My flesh is easily influenced by the world and the devil. So I have to be careful. I have to keep under my body. I have to bring it into subjection. I have to, I have to change my mind. Instead of saying, well, that's not so bad. I have to access, I have to recognize that that is really bad because it's going against the teachings of the Scripture. Because it's going against the mind of God. Because it's going against the possibility of having my mind renewed in the things of the Lord. So I have to be very careful about those things. If you'll notice in the Bible, uh, I, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read a verse real quick, and then we'll go to Psalm number 1, and you can make your way over to Psalm 1. But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, in verse number 33, the Bible says over there, it says, Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Uh, evil communications corrupt good manners. Now the word manners there basically means the way things are done, the manner of doing things, our morals. All right? So evil communications, evil influences, evil friendships can corrupt our morals. All right? So if I allow the devil to influence my relationship with the Word of God, guess what? I'll change my mind about the Bible. I'll change my mind. I'll change my mind. I'll go a step further. I'll change my mind about the King James Bible. I'll change my mind about the received text, the textus receptus, and the majority text and, and things. I'll change my mind about those things. And I'll begin to accept other uh, uh, other versions and, and we call them perversions and I'll begin to change my mind about those. Things. Well, it says basically the same thing. If you read those other perversions, they don't say basically the same thing at all. There's a lot of changes and maybe sometime we can go through that. But nonetheless, if I'm not careful, if I allow the devil to do it, he'll make me question the Bible. Then I'll become smarter than God because I'll know more about what he said than what he really said. Then, if I'm not careful, if I, if I'm not careful, if I allow my influence and my, allow my communications and my company to be around the, the world, uh, the devil and then the world, listen, this world has a convoluted idea and way of doing everything. I mean, think about, now, I'm serious now, I'm not trying to be political, I'm just being honest. In what civilized country in the world is it ever right to kill someone simply because you don't want one? There is nowhere in this world, civilized, there's no civilized place in this world where that is a motivation to kill somebody. Just because you don't want them. Just because you don't, just because you feel like they're going to be more of a burden to you. Do you realize, do you realize the thinking that's involved in that? That's a scary thought. But it's becoming accepted. It's become, In what civilized world where people are at least remotely educated in kindergarten at least, can you say that there are more than two genders? There's nowhere in this world. But we're being told that... That gender now is an assignment that I was assigned being a man and being a boy when I was born. that it's a social construct. That sounds so intelligent, but that is the most asinine thing I think I've ever heard in my life. I don't know how intelligent people can be so stupid. How stupid people can sound so intelligent, and it, may, it sounds and then when they say that, Like I said, you have so many bridges to cross to fix it, you don't even know where to start. It's chaos. Why? Because their mind is so messed up. And if you're not careful, listen, I'm telling you the truth, if you're not careful, it will enter into the church, it will enter into the house of God, because you will allow the world to influence the way you think. Now, you can say what I know. What people say when they say, "Well, I'm not aiming for your head. I'm aiming for your heart." When they're preaching and things like that, but your heart has never been affected without the mind being engaged. You have to first think about something before it sinks down into your heart. So, yes, I'm going to I'm going to shoot for your head, and I'm going to hope it'll sink down into your heart. I hope it will make a change in your life because they first believed the truth, the doctrine that was delivered unto them, and then they believed it from the heart and then they were changed. Romans chapter number 6, verse number 17. So now you have you have this, if I have the world and the flesh, if I have the world, the devil, and then if I allow my own human reasoning, if I allow my own human reasoning to start influencing me, boy, I have to be very careful about that because you know what I found out about me? I like me. Matter of fact, I love me probably more than I love anybody else. And I want me to be very comfortable. I want my life to be easy. I want to be rich. And I don't care if you're rich. I want to be healthy. And I don't care if you're healthy. That's the way I think. And if I'm not careful, I can become very selfish and think only of me. And at least I'm going to heaven. I don't know what they're doing, but at least I'm going to heaven. And that mentality can enter in because I'm allowing these things to influence my mind. So you have the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, over in Psalm 1, I'm almost done, believe it or not. And then we're going to talk about the will of God a little bit. But in Psalm number 1, we're talking about renewing our mind. How do I renew my mind? Well... I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a good independent fundamental judgmental Baptist. And instead of giving you what to do, I'm gonna give you what not to do to renew your mind. All right. And then you can, and then we'll talk about what to do briefly. But I'm gonna do, preach on the negative more so than the positive because I have to find out what I'm not supposed to do before I find out what I'm supposed to do. All right. Psalm number one. Look what the Bible says there. Blessed. That word blessed is a big word. It's a broad word. It's happy. But it also it includes all of the positive things that could happen and you could experience by your relationship with God and by your relationship. It's, 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 it's all-encompassing. So this, this word, it says, "This man is blessed in every area of his life. What man? The man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly." Now you have a, you have a, uh, a process here. Now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that process. But we have a process here. First of all, walk. When we talk about walking, the word walk there implies an acquaintance or, or an influence. I do not want to be acquainted with the counsel of the ungodly. If I'm going to renew my mind and have the right kind of mind, I have to first of all avoid ungodly counsel. Nothing wrong with getting counsel. Matter of fact, the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Nothing wrong with getting counsel, but you better make sure you're getting counsel that is godly counsel. Counsel that goes according to the Word of God, because if you're not careful, everything... What I found out people do, this is what people do. I've been in the ministry for, let's see, 92, to, uh, to, uh, uh, 02, 12... All right, in 2022, it'll be 30 years I've been pastoring churches. So 20, what is this? 27 years. 27 years I've been pastoring churches. You know what I found out about people? People do not seek the will of God. They seek approval for their own will. So what they do is they go to people that they know will tell them what they want to hear. And they when they hear what they want to hear, then they say, well, I got counsel and the counsel said, but you know what? That's not always the will of God. Sometimes that's ungodly counsel. Ungodly just means uh, counsel that is without God. There's no God in the counsel. It's all about what I want to do. And so I have to be very careful. If I want to allow my mind to be changed, I have to be very careful that I do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So that means that I'm going to have to make sure that my influences, the things that influence me and the people that influence me, is a very limited circle and they're godly people in my circle. That is why I love to hang around men whose lives challenge my life. I love to be around men who are better Christians than me. I don't want to be around somebody who's constantly a worse Christian than me. I want somebody to pull me up. I want to see somebody's life who is living for the Lord. And I want to find out what they're doing. And I want to serve the Lord with them. And I want to find out what I'm supposed to be doing. And as I look at their life, I want to say, Okay, now I want to take my step up. I want to step up. And it ought to be that we're living our lives in such a fashion so that others will look at us and say, I'm a better person because of being around them. I'm a better person because of their influence in my life. And I am more like Christ because of their influence in my life. But not everybody's like that. So we have to be very careful. If we're going to make our mind, if we're going to change our mind and we're going to do the will of God, if I'm going to renew my mind, I'm going to have to make sure that I'm not walking, I'm not acquainted with the counsel of the ungodly. I'm walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Then he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now the word stand implies, walking implies an acquaintance. How can two walk together except to be agreed, right? So now we're acquainted, we're becoming acquainted with one another. And have you ever been talking to somebody, maybe walking somewhere, and then all of a sudden something's said and you agree? You know what, you're right. And then you stop and you start standing with them and talking to them. And we discuss that, and you discuss that, whatever that is. So, whatever, when you stand, that is when you begin to adopt their ways. All right? You begin to adopt the way they think, you begin to adopt the way they talk. You begin to adopt, I tell you, people do not know how to talk nowadays. Now, I'm telling you the truth. I have seen on signs of churches, things that 10 years ago would well they still drive my wife crazy but 10 years ago would not have been acceptable in most churches because it's bringing the world's vernacular into the church i've seen that on church signs and we we've, we've forgotten how we've forgotten how to talk we don't talk in complete sentences anymore it's half sentences and it's half. there's no subject and verb and object. It's just subject and object. And it's just, everything is just, it's just weird. And if you use the English language and you talk in the English language and you say something grammatically correct, then you're ridiculed for not being hip or with it. I have to be careful with my hips. I'm getting old. I want to make sure that I keep my hip healthy. So, nonetheless, nonetheless, I don't want to adopt their ways. I don't want to adopt their ways, so I have to be careful about letting their influences into my life. So if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be careful about letting their influences in there, into my life, I have, if I'm gonna learn how to talk in the Bible way, if I'm gonna learn how to talk the way the Lord would have, would be pleasing to the Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If I'm gonna talk the way the Lord would be pleased with, I'm gonna have to make sure that my mind is renewed and my mind is gonna be renewed by adopting the ways of those who are doing right as opposed to adopting the ways of those that are doing right wrong and if i'm adopting the ways of sinners i'm going to have a hard time renewing my mind that's why you have to be very careful about the television shows you watch and the news that you watch and the things you listen to on the radio you have to be very careful about all that because if you're not careful you'll pick up on it you'll start doing what they do you'll justify stuff there are things, listen, I have watched young people justify things that were that just 10 years ago would have been considered uh, scary and wrong. And there would have been a lot of young people that would have been scared to do those types of things. But now we've just justified it. I was talking to some men uh, the, other, the other day about pornography and I was talking to one preacher friend of mine and he was talking about how that his, uh, his church and he's got some people in his church that are struggling with it and we were discussing some of the things about it and he made the statement, he said, people are going to begin to laugh at us for preaching against it the way they laugh at us of preaching old time religion the way we do now. Because it's going to become that acceptable. Why? Because the rest of the world is doing it. Everybody's doing it. It's just part of what we do. It's part of growing up. It's so accessible. And we make all of these excuses, but God says don't adopt their ways. The happy man, the blessed man, the man that has all of the benefits of knowing God is not the man that walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Is not the man that stands in the way of sinners. The happy man is not the man that's adopting the ways of the sinner. That's not the happy man. A happy man is the one that's adopting, adopting the ways of Christ. So, he says, he says then again, uh, he says, walk, they become acquainted, they become acquainted, there's an acquaintance and an influence, then we stand, that adopts their ways, and then watch this, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. The next step is to sit against those who are doing right. Then we begin to actively condemn and scoff those who are doing right. And it's a progression. We walk, we become acquainted, they begin to influence us instead of us influencing them. Then we stop and we begin to adopt their ways. We begin to look like them, talk like them, act like them, and and behave like them. And then it's not long that we're sitting with them scoffing those who are doing right. I've seen it happen. I've watched it happen. There's preacher brothers of mine who who scoff at me now that we used to be in agreement with one another. And now they're sitting in the seat of the scornful. They're pointing at me and laughing at me saying you need to get with it. Listen, if getting with it means dropping everything that I believe, I don't want to get with it. I just want to stay just like I am. Thank you very much. Because I'm a pretty happy fella. I, I'm, I'm happy. And I enjoy life. I like to have fun. But then you've got those that go to the other extreme that are so, quote, spiritual, they can't go fishing. They can't ride a bike. They can't go hiking. They can't smile. If you smile, they'll give you a scriptural rebuke for smiling. I don't want to be that way either. I don't want to allow them to influence me and scoff me because because I'm enjoying life. Because, listen, Jesus said I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I'm tired of seeing Christians who don't enjoy being saved by the grace of God. I'm tired of seeing that. I want to show them somebody who loves that he's saved by God's grace, who loves the Bible, who wants to enjoy life, have a good time, and still glorify God in the process of having a good time. Nothing wrong with any of that. But if we're not careful, we can allow the world to influence us. Notice verse number 2. I'm just going to touch on this and I'm done. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. See, the influence doesn't come from the world, the flesh, and the devil. The influence comes from the Word of God. Now, you know what? Let's go back to Romans chapter 2 and I'm done. What about that? I got done before Tuesday at noon. Watch. Romans chapter 2. I got to be careful because I'm I'm losing my train of thought. Romans chapter twelve. See, I told you I'm derailed. Look at this, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove. Now, that is the product. Remember what we said. That is the uh, uh, the uh, the product or the product of the process is proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now there's a lot of discussion about this good and acceptable and perfect will. and I'm not going to argue with you about it. That's number five. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I think it's one will. And I think it's good and acceptable and perfect. I'm not not one of these that believes in, quote, the permissive will of God and things like that, because there's, there's things that, if that's the case, the people in Romans 1 are in the permissive will of God. Just saying, because He gave them over to that. So at any rate, I just believe this is one will and it's a perfect will. And if I want to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, I have to know what we're talking about. So what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Well, what does good mean? I thought this was interesting. Good means healthy, beneficial. Will it aid in me becoming Christ-like? So if I'm going to allow the Word of God to influence my life, and I'm not going to allow the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I'm not going to walk in the, I'm not going to, uh, 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 this is a man, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and standeth in the way of sinners, and the seed of scornful. I'm not going to do that. I want to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I'm discerning, and we have a lot of young people that are questioning what is the will of God, especially, uh, the will of God. And the will of God is more than just one decision this is more than just one decision it's a lifestyle it's a process and we too often ha- wait until we get to that one big decision to discern if, if it's the will of god and then all of a sudden the bible becomes a magical book and then we just oh that's what it is it is not it is not say the buyer that means i'm not supposed to buy anything unless it's worth something so i guess i guess it's okay for me to buy that car since it's worth something right I mean, all of a sudden we discern what the will of God is in some of the, in the craziest ways. We get this mystical view of the book of the, of the Bible. But really, if I want to discern the will of God, is what I'm fixing to do, is it going to be healthy? Is it going to be beneficial to me? Is it going to help me be more Christ-like? Is it going to change my mind from the things of God to the things of the world, the flesh of the devil? Or is it going to help me to become more Christ-like? Is it good? If it's good, then I'll do it. I'll do it i that'll be good that'll be healthy. I'll be okay. Is it acceptable? is it the word acceptable is exactly what it means It's accepted and it's well pleasing to God. Would God be pleased with it? If God is pleased with it, do it. if God's okay with it, then what's wrong with it and And I know well, there's nothing in the Bible that says this, yeah, but you know what you'll know from the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you whether you should be doing it or not. If He's influencing you at all, there's going to be something. If there's a question, let a man be fully persuaded that it's right. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And if I'm not fully persuaded that it's right, if I'm not fully persuaded that it's going to be pleasing to God, then probably the best thing I'll do is need to be stay away from it until I know for sure that this is what God wants me to do. So... Good, healthy, beneficial. Will it aid in me becoming more Christ-like? Is it acceptable? Is God pleased with it? Could I do this and give glory to God in the process? And then perfect. Now here's, here's the word perfect. I'm going to use myself, if you allow me, as an illustration for this. When I was, um, when we had the, the men's ministry there in Georgia, I was spending a lot of time away from the house. A lot of time. I was usually gone from Sunday night till Friday afternoon. Sometimes get home Friday, maybe a little before noon, sometimes a little afternoon. But it was a long time to be away from home. It was a long time. It was too long. It was too long to be away from home. I remember I got a phone call one night from my wife and she was crying and I found a note in my in my overnight bag or my week bag, and uh, I found a note in there where she was encouraging me to do right and be faithful, and and uh, you know she was apologizing to me for being almost bitter about the fact that I was helping those men. Boy, the Holy Spirit smote me right then because of this. Now watch. It was the will of God for me to minister. And be a pastor and minister to those men. Would you agree with that? It's a, it's the will of God to help people get their lives changed to restore such and one that's been caught up in, uh, some, been caught up in some type of sin. Would you agree with that? You which are spiritual, restore such one the spirit of meekness considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It is the will of God for you to restore people, right? All right. But it is also, according to Ephesians 5, the will of God for me to minister to my family. Now, here's the problem. Some preachers get the idea that it's okay to sacrifice the family in order to do the ministry of the Word of God. But this is the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God says you cannot, you will not have to sacrifice your family to do this if it's the perfect will of God, if they're both in the will of God. Because in the perfect will of God, there's no contradiction to the will of God. I don't... Listen... You might say, Well, I, I tell you, he's a handsome young man, but he's lost. So a young lady might say he's handsome, but he's lost, so it's the will of God for me to witness to him, so I will date him so that I could witness to him. No. You're contradicting the will of God to be separate and not be to be not unequally yoked in order to try to do the will of God and witnessing to him, right? That's not the perfect will of God. That's not what God planned. That's not what God wants. You don't sacrifice one part of God's will in order to do the other part of God's will. Because if that's the case, then it's not what God intended. It's not perfect. It's not complete. You're not fulfilling the will of God for your life. And you'll only be able to discern that by a renewed mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Too often, we're so full of questions, but we never go to the source of our answers. All we do is throw out questions, throw out questions. We're like the Bible says, we're doting about questions, knowing nothing. We're throwing out every kind of question on the mankind, but we don't know anything about what we're talking about when the Bible says really it's not as complicated as you're making it out to be. First of all, you've got to cut off your acquaintances and your influences that would cause you to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You've got to cut that off, whether it's the television, whether it's a friend, Whether it's social media, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's text, whether it's computer, whatever is influencing you negatively, cut that off. And let's get back to the Word of God. So you're not influenced by that. Secondly, you cannot adopt their ways. Just because the world is doing it, doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. Because you're going to be different and you're supposed to be different from the world. So you're going to have to allow the word of God say, no, you can't do that. I know I used to tell my children, uh, they'd say, well, so-and-so's doing it. And I'd say, well, their last name's not South. And if their last name was South, they wouldn't be doing it. We ain't going to do it. The rest of the world, the whole world may do it, but we're not going to do it. And so that's just the way it was. And you know what? There's a lot of churches that may do a lot of things to get a big crowd. But they're not Pleasant View Baptist Church. And their pastor's not Bill South. So, guess what? We're not gonna do it. Just because everybody in the world is doing it doesn't mean that we have to do it. Somebody say amen to that. So, then you have, you have, I don't wanna be influenced by them. So I gotta cut off those influences. Walketh in, standeth in, uh, um, the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners. I'm not allowing them, I'm not picking up their ways. I'm not accepting their ways. I'm not beginning to talk like them, act like them, because if I start doing that, I'm going to have a hard time proving the will of God, the perfect will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If I'm doing what the rest of the world, well, everybody else is doing it. Well, if the world's doing it, I mean, it can't be that bad. They did it and got by with it. They weren't, they weren't messed up by it. Listen, you don't know how they were messed up by it. Just because they were, they're not showing you, just because you don't see uh, what's happening. Doesn't, you don't know what's going on up here. Remember, the heart will not change unless it's affected and it's influenced by the mind. You don't know what's happening in their mind the way they're thinking and what it's doing to their heart. I've watched I've watched young people who got influenced by the wrong crowd and got influenced by society and got influenced by college and all that stuff. I've watched young people who were on fire for the Lord all of a sudden lose their zeal. You have to have your head in the game. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You cannot join yourself to those who scoff and mock at what the Bible says is right. You can't do it. And prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you're going to have to allow the Bible to change your mind. You're going to have to allow the preaching of the Word of God to change your mind. You're gonna to have to allow, uh, you're gonna to have to allow, uh, your Bible reading. You're gonna to have to allow your prayer time to change your mind. You're gonna to have to allow your church attendance to change your mind. You're gonna to have to have, uh, allow uh, your witnessing to change your mind. Well, I don't have that gift. Listen, people talk, even the most introverted person will talk about something they're interested in. Doesn't matter what it is. They can find somebody who's interested in the same thing. If you're interested in seeing somebody saved, it it will eventually just come out. It will eventually just happen. But it all starts when we're transformed by having our mind changed. And if we're going to have our mind changed, we've got to look to the Word of God and we've got to cut off all these other sources. All right, Let's stand with our heads bowed. Father, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for your help and your grace. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to have our mind changed. I'm glad for what you've changed my mind on several areas in my life that you've changed my mind. I pray that you'd help us as a church, to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God by following you and serving you and loving you, loving this book, championing the Bible, staying close to the Word of God. I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The instruments are playing. The altar's open. If God's spoken to you about anything, this is an opportunity for you to do business with the Lord. I would encourage you to do that right now.